I speak in the name of the risen Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Liza Burke was 24 years old, a student at the University of Georgia, a senior. She already had a job offer, great friends, and was on spring break in Mexico when one morning she just didn't wake up. Her parents flew her back here. They got her into Mayo Clinic. She was diagnosed with an aggressive kind of cancerous tumor that was growing at the base of her brain on her spine, in her spinal cord. Some wonderful parishioners of ours put us in touch with her mother, and Father G and Father Mark and I visited and we prayed and prayed for, for a miracle and for a miracle of medicine and for anything else that could happen so that she would wake up again and be able to talk with her family. And they tried every kind of treatment they knew how, but nothing worked. So I found myself sitting with her mother, Laura, and her aunt outside of the ICU room. Feeling powerless. Her mother explained to me that Liza had had an older sister, who they called Eddie, who had been born with a degenerative disease and she had just died a few days earlier and I thought to myself I don't understand God how how some people are asked to bear so much pain this woman had already lost one child and now she was losing another we decided to allow Eliza to die and to give thanks they brought Liza to uh, a rented house on the beach. Friends and loved ones poured in. Liza died holding her brother's hand. And the next day, some of the family and friends went out in a boat, and they said that they saw these pods of dolphins, just all these dolphins jumping out of the water over and over, all around the boat, like nothing they had ever seen before. And Liza's mother said she was overwhelmed with awe. And this feeling that there's just so much more swept over her, came upon her. Not that she wasn't in incredible pain, but at the same time, there was this, this presence of awe. In the second chapter of the book of Acts, 
that describes the earliest Christians right after the resurrection and right after the Holy Spirit had descended upon them and they had gone out and spread the gospel of the resurrection, they lived in this state of awe. There's this phrase that says, awe came upon them. Awe came upon them. It wasn't anything that they did, it just happened. And the result was that everyone just gave all that they had. The earliest Christians shared everything. It wasn't a political system, it wasn't a strategic plan, it wasn't an economic feasibility study. It was just everybody just gave whatever they had and everybody shared. And theologians and politicians have tried to say that the early church was communist or socialist or monastic. And... But none of that politics really makes any sense. What makes sense to me was what happened to them was that they were overwhelmed with awe. And their response to that created a community like no other. In 1964, the astronaut Ed Gibson witnessed outer space and he described this feeling of awe, but he described it very well in that he said, it's so strange, I feel so small, but yet not insignificant. And in this feeling of, of being so small, I, I sense this peace that it is not all up to me, that there is so much more out there. And a peace that passes my understanding. There is a new book out called Awe. The new science of wonder and how it can transform your life. By Docker Kellner. Docker did this experiment where he and a colleague took some college students. They divided the college students in half. Half of them they brought to a museum where they stood them in front of an incredible collection of bones of the T-Rex, the Tyrannosaurus Rex, you know, a huge dinosaur, completely awe-inspiring. And they asked those students, while staring at that magnificent specimen, to, to fill in the blank, I am blank. And all these college students witnessing this magnificent creature described themselves as part of something. I am a creature of the earth. I am a part of the universe. Then they took another group of college students and they stuck them in a hallway with a fluorescent light. With nothing. And they asked those students to fill in the same blank. I am. And those students talked all about themselves. I'm nervous all the time. I eat too much. And me, me, me. Dr. Kellner said 
that when we experience a sense of awe, it literally takes us out of what he calls our default self into something more. We leave our self-centeredness behind because we're witnessing something that pulls us out. And it's not that we're not afraid. We can be very afraid. But it's not a paranoid fear. It's not a self-absorbed fear. It can be a fear that is awestruck. And awe can happen in so many different kinds of ways. Awe can happen in the midst of tragedy. Awe can happen by witnessing the beauty of nature. Awe can happen when we are struck by the moral character of another person and something that they did, a decision that they made. Depending on your nature, you can be struck by awe in different ma ways. Maybe it's mathematics that, that inspires you. It doesn't me because I'm too dumb for that. Maybe it's the tiny world of the molecule in the cell that inspires you. Or music. When we look at the brains of humans, when they hear inspiring music, our neurological landscape changes. Docker Kellner says that when we experience awe, we become more than we are in the mundane kinds of life. I would say that when we experience awe, we are hearing the voice of the Good Shepherd. That God's language is a language of awe, of inspiration, of wonder. Jesus talked a lot about being this shepherd. And you know, a shepherd takes care of the sheep because the sheep really don't know where to go. They wander off. They can wander off of a cliff. They're that dumb. But the shepherd knows where they're supposed to go. And it's the same with we human beings. We cannot see the future. We don't always know what is the right thing to do. We need the perspective of the Almighty One who sees all things. We need to listen to the voice of the Almighty One, and follow where that shepherd calls us, calling us out of our self-centeredness, out of our self-absorption, out of our paranoia, and into something more, into radical acts of generosity, into transcendent decisions, into new awareness. The Good Shepherd speaks the language of awe. Awe creates a canvas upon which we can hear that voice that calls our name. So what can we do to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd? I tell you, expose yourself to things that make you feel a sense of awe. 
Pursue inspiration. Dr. Kellner says, go for what he calls all walks. If you're someone that loves the beauty of nature, get out there every day. Open your eyes, look around. If you're someone that loves music, make sure that you are always exposing yourself to beautiful music. Or perhaps you love art, visual art. Go to the museum, see the new exhibit. You may say to yourself, how does this change the world? But it's in the context of all that you will become the fullness of who the Good Shepherd calls you to be. Come here to this beautiful space and worship with me. This is our hope. This is our future. This is how we hear the voice of the Good Shepherd through the awe that comes upon us. When Liza's mom was out in that boat looking at the dolphins and then the next day she said she kept hearing Liza's voice singing. Singing. And she decided that they would start a scholarship fund at the University of Georgia and beyond in memory of her two girls, the Liza and Eddie Burke Scholarship Fund, so that students can learn in honor of these girls. And she wrote, how can I be anything but thankful for having had them at all? My friends, there is so little that we can understand in this life. But I do believe we can prepare ourselves, place ourselves in places where all will come upon us and then listen for that voice of the shepherd who will call us onward and upward and forevermore. Amen.